Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. Good morning. Well, well done for getting here on a rather rainy Sunday morning. Well done for being here on a bank holiday weekend. Hope you've had a great bank holiday weekend and great to celebrate our Queen. Uh, amazing woman who served so faithfully and is such an inspiration to us. And isn't it wonderful to have the Queen, someone who is a Jesus follower and is not ashamed to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ in our world today. So we honor and we, we think of her. Also, um, it's my wife Rachel's birthday today. Uh, so... If you see her, give her a big hug. And uh, Anna Hellebronth as well, one of our worship pastors, it's her birthday as well. So uh, it's my, my niece's birthday for those who are interested. So uh, I don't know what happened sort of nine months ago. Where, uh, so many people having their birthday on the 5th of June. But anyway, we have at Gastry an amazing staff team. Just this beautiful group of people who give their best who serve incredibly well to enable us to do so much of what we're doing as a church. And I'm so grateful for them. And during the week, we'll have meetings where we plan and we strategize and we think through what uh, is coming up. And at one of our core leadership meetings a little while ago, we were sat around together and I looked around and I opened the meeting with these words. Is this it? Now, what I was meaning by that, are we waiting for anyone? Has anyone not arrived yet? But the team started to tease me because what it sounded like was me looking around at this group of people saying, is this it? Is this all I have to work with? How on earth are we ever going to make a difference with this lot here? Is this it. Now, I love reading the Gospels. Just it's so wild and exciting. All these glorious stories of Jesus moving, healing the sick, signs and wonders, a radical revolutionary message. And then you move forward into the book of Acts and you see the story of the early church explode into life, doing all these remarkable things, doing the very things that Jesus himself did. And it's exhilarating, it's compelling, it's exciting. Then I love reading stories, biographies of just heroes of the faith. John Wesley, William Seymour, Jackie Pullinger. As I hear about what God did in and through them, my heart soars and I feel this, an awakening in my imagination about what God could do. But then I look at the reality of my life and I look at my bumbling from one thing to the next, getting distracted by TikTok and YouTube videos of cats doing weird things. And I get lost in my insecurities or false narratives that sometimes I feel I live under. And I'm aware of these plans and these hopes and these desires, but the reality of my day to day. And I find myself lamenting over myself is this it? Is this it? Why don't I see more of God's transforming work in my life? Why is my everyday not punctuated with healings and miracles and signs and wonders? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm so grateful 
for God's blessing in my life. There are so many things that I look at and I think, wow, God, you are so good. And I look at the church and I look at what God is doing in and through us and it's amazing. It really is exceptionally exciting. God is at work, but I feel this gap, this chasm between what I read in Scripture and what I see in my own life. I I feel this disconnect between what I believe God can do and what I'm actually seeing God do. But I know there's more. There's more for me. There's more for you. There's more for us. Is this it? No. There is more. And today as the global church, we celebrate Pentecost, this remarkable moment where God's Spirit is poured out on all flesh. And what I'm seeing, and we saw this in a stunning way at wildfires, and I believe we've been seeing this over the last weeks and months, is God is awakening a hunger within us, a dissatisfaction, a holy discontent for what is, and faith and expectancy for what could be and what should be. A deep yearning for more. Don't you feel it? Then you have it in your gut, more salvation, more transformation, more freedom, more signs and wonders, more courage, more breakthroughs. And I'm praying for all of us gathered here today at our different sites, for those of you sitting, watching online, that God might grab hold of you, might shake you and say, there is more, wake up. I love the teaching of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He preached as it is, and he once thundered to a group of complacent Christians who claimed that they had it all in Christ. And he says this to him, got it all? I simply ask, in the name of God, why then are you as you are? (laughs) Wouldn't you love to preach a bit like that to a bunch of people? Why then are you as you are? If you've got it all, Why are you so unlike the New Testament Christians? Got it all? Got it all at your conversion? Well, then where is it? I ask. Is this it? No. There's more. Not for a moment do I believe that God's Spirit was only poured out at Pentecost 2,000 years ago. Not for a second do I believe that God's Spirit was poured out in greater measure in centuries gone by. My firm conviction and belief based through the authority of the Word of God is that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave lives in you and me. The same Spirit that was poured out at Pentecost to propel the early church forward to the four corners of the earth is here today for you And for me, and if we look at the good news of Jesus Christ, if we look at his mission, what did he come to do? He proclaimed life everlasting. He proclaimed that eternal life could be found, salvation could be found through Jesus Christ. And he came to usher in his kingdom, a new way of living that would change the world forever. And every sign, every wonder, every miracle spoke of his kingdom coming. Every transformed life spoke of what is to come. And so when Jesus walked on the earth for those three years, he proclaimed the message of the gospel, the good news, but he also demonstrated it. And remarkably, he gathered to himself a group of followers who he trained and equipped and he sent out. 
to carry on this mission, to proclaim and to demonstrate the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. In Luke 9, we see Jesus gather the 12 disciples and he sends them out on a mission trip. He sends them out with authority and power. He says this, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. And they go and they see God do remarkable things. It's extraordinary. And then moments later, Jesus gathers to himself an even larger group, 72. And in Luke 10, he, he, he calls them together and he sends them out in twos, in pairs. And he says, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. And he goes on to say in verse 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So Jesus calls together the 12 and then the 72 and he sends them out. He commissions them. He sends them with power and authority to do the things that Jesus himself did. And then we see the number beginning to grow. The Bible records that 120 were gathered as Jesus told them to wait. In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, this church, this group are gathered together, they're commissioned and they're sent out to the four corners of the earth to shout out, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And we are here today because of that 120. And then we see it, Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 should come up on the screen. It's an amazing, extraordinary, game-changing moment. It says this, Acts 2 verse 1, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, suddenly praying and believing for more suddenly moments. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All of them, not the select few, not the morally pure, not the theologically educated, all of them were filled with the Spirit of God. And they're empowered. That Pentecost, those early followers were clothed with power from on high. The Greek word power, dunamis, is where we get the word dynamite, dynamo, dynamic. And the early church, those early followers were lit up with the fire of God and they carried it all over the world. And today we are a part of this explosive, dynamic movement called the church and this Pentecost experience wasn't simply for those early believers 2,000 years ago every day should be a Pentecost moment in our lives where we wake up and we look at ourselves in the mirror and sometimes we look and we sort of suck all the right things in and try and get the right angle and we feel is this it but we say God fill me with your Holy Spirit, clothe me today, not with designer clothes, but with power from on high. And I believe that in the midst of my mess, 
and my confused ways, you could use me to bring about your kingdom, to bring life and hope and blessing into a world that is desperately needing hope. And that only happens through the Spirit of God. Church, we need We need to hunger for the more of God's spirit. We need to awaken expectancy within us that God can use us in our everyday. When we step into work, when we're spending time with friends, when we're with our families, that God can use us. And at Pentecost, the spirit of God was poured out not to create feel-good moments. Sometimes in the church, We've got caught up in the Spirit coming to make us feel good, to have a little bit of a moment. But the Spirit of God was poured out for a purpose. And that was to propel the early church out, to evangelize and to reach a world with the message of Jesus. And Pentecost is often known as the explosion and the birth of the early church, but Pentecost is also the birth of mission. It's the birth of a missionary movement that we today are still a part of. And so when we pray, come Holy Spirit, we must also be willing to say, and Spirit, I will go wherever you go. It's about saying, come, but it's also about us being willing to go, to go. And as I look around at the world that is confused, deceived by so much hurting, and desperate, and then I look at myself and I feel so small and insignificant. I find so much hope in this Pentecost story, and I remember those early followers huddled up in that upper room, gathered. They'd been told to wait to be clothed with power from on high, but they're fearing for their lives, believing that the Roman Empire are going to come and potentially crucify them and kill them. And they've been told to wait for the Spirit of God. They've no idea what that really means or what being filled with the Spirit of God is going to look like. And they're confused and they're nervous. And then suddenly, bam, the Spirit comes. And this fearful, dysfunctional, messed up group of people go out and do the most extraordinary things. I think about Peter who's denied Jesus moments before, is now suddenly preaching in front of 3,000 and leading people to faith. So it's more than 3,000. 3,000 became Christians off the back of his message. I think of moments later where Peter is walking along and there's someone lame on the floor and he's asking for money and Peter says, silver and gold I have none, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. Whoa! And these as I said, are not stories for the history books. They're stories to inspire us and to remind us that we too have been called, commissioned, and are to be sent to do the things that Jesus did. Not just to read about them, but to do them and the only way we can do them. Like the disciples is to be clothed with power from on high. And I have committed my life to living in faith, believing that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living, that I will see more of His Spirit come, that even though at times it feels like there's disparity between what I read about and what I see, that we will see God's kingdom come, His will being done, salvation, signs and wonders. I believe actually that we will see even greater things than Jesus did in our time as we make ourselves available to the Spirit to be poured out.
I love what John Stott says. What we need is not more learning, not more eloquence, not more persuasion, not more organization, but more power from the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good news? Because, okay, it's not about me being more eloquent. It's not about me being more kind of compelling in the way I argue the Christian faith. It's not about me being more organized and intentional, growing things, being more courageous and charismatic. It's about the power of God working in and through me. And don't you dare for a moment count yourself out from that. Don't you dare think, well, that might be for you, Tim. It might be for some of us here, but it's not for me. It's for all of us. The Spirit was poured out on all flesh. I am with this. I listened to a talk from the late John Wimber. John Wimber founded the Vineyard Movement, which has profoundly affected the church in the UK. Uh, things like HDB and Alpha, New Wine, Soul Survivor, our church here, were very much birthed out of this ministry that John Wimber had. And he became a Christian in his mid-twenties. He was part of a famous band called the Righteous Brothers. Do you remember them? You've lost that loving feeling. Let's just keep going for a little bit. You've lost that loving feeling. Now it's gone, gone, gone. Sing it, Simmy. Whoa. For you online. There we go. That's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> so he's a part of the Righteous Brothers. And... He has this radical conversion. He meets this guy called uh, Gunner, Gunner Payne, who is this evangelist who'd walk around the streets of California, go from house to house, sharing the gospel. And John Wimber has this incredible conversion. And so he spends part of his early days, weeks and months as a Christian walking around with Gunner, praying for people, seeing people saved. And he begins to read the gospels and he's getting this idea of who Jesus is. And then he's introduced to the church. He's never been to church before. Someone laughed already. They know what's coming. And he's like, I'm excited. He's expected we're going to gather, we'll pray, we'll worship. And then, you know, we'll, we'll probably be given loaves and fishes to go out and multiply them on the streets to feed thousands. We'll be sent out. We'll pray for the sick. We'll, you know, the lame will walk. And then we'll gather back and we'll celebrate all that God has done. And that's what church is going to be. So he turns up into this church and they're very politely asked to stand. And they sing a song. And then they sit down again. And then someone reads a bit from the Bible and they stand. And they sing another song. And then they sit down again. And someone gives a very polite, measured prayer. And they stand. And they sing another song. And they sit down again. Someone shares a very long, dry sermon. And they stand. And they sing a song. And they go home. And he's like, What? So after a couple of weeks of this, he goes up to the pastor and he grabs him on the arm. And he says to him, hey, pastor, when do you do the stuff? And the pastor goes, what stuff? He goes, you, you know, the stuff, the stuff in the book. The pastor goes, what stuff in the book? Well, you know, all these stories of multiplying loaves and fishes and healing and raising the dead and casting out demons. And the pastor goes, oh, that stuff. Oh, no, we don't do that stuff. He said, occasionally we sing about it, but we don't do it. And John Wimber was just shocked and stunned, and he couldn't accept that that was okay. And so he begins a journey 
begins planting churches, begins teaching, begins praying that the Spirit would come to empower them to see the lost saved, to see the sick healed, to see the broken restored. And God did an extraordinary thing in and through them. We need to remember that we've been clothed with power from on high. So when people think the church is boring and dry and irrelevant, it's a tragedy because the church should be the most alive, exciting, dynamic place on the face of the earth. People should walk in and think, whoa, what on earth is going on here? I've never experienced anything like that and when the church isn't like that we need to pray that it becomes like that and it will only happen through the spirit of God again we can have the best preachers we can have the best musicians we can have the best coffee the best lights and we've got a pretty amazing deal here but even with all of that that is not going to change people's lives it might create some momentary feel-good moments But if we want to see radical transformation, and boy, do we need it, it could only be a work of the Spirit. And I believe this, church. Get ready for more. God's Spirit, I believe, is being poured out. And I believe we're going to begin to see God's Spirit poured out to anoint us for evangelism. That's what Jesus did. He trained his disciples, the 72, the 120, and then the outpouring of the Spirit empowered them to reach the lost. And I believe we're going to see a wave of God's Spirit anointing us for evangelism in your own unique way. Not preaching from a platform, but sharing your life with people around you. In your quiet, maybe unassuming way, just encouraging people that there is more. And I believe as the Spirit is poured out, we're going to begin to see more and more stories of salvation. We've seen so many people come to Christ as we gather here on a Sunday. And I love that. And I'm believing for more. But I believe we're going to see a move now of you, of me, on the golf courses, at the school gates, around coffee tables, in nightclubs. People giving their lives to Jesus. And you're thinking, how on earth is this happening? I never, ever thought I'd be someone who leads people to Christ. But it says the Spirit of God is poured out upon each and every one of us. Alan Scott says this, the next move of God is not a movement in the church. It's a movement of the church. And look what God did with 120. There's more than 120 here. What could God do in our time, in our day, if we say, come, Holy Spirit, I'll go wherever you send me. So why don't we stand? Why don't the band come up? And I've deliberately been short, so we've got a good chunk of time. We've got half an hour where we can pray, we can worship, and we can ask that the Spirit of God would be poured out. And so we're going to just begin worshiping together. And within that will create space for prayer. But Holy Spirit, would you come? Fall afresh on us. Fall afresh on us. Lord, is this it? As we look around, no, we believe there is more. As we look around our city, oh God, please, would you move in power? But we pray that move in power, but we see through your word that your plan is to move your church to bring about your kingdom come, to bring about your power. So anoint us, fill us, forgive us. Just just even now repent for where you've discredited yourself. 
for where you've got comfortable. You know, the pressure, the, the scheme of the enemy is one of the most powerful, effective schemes of the enemy. It's not drugs, it's not wild sex, it's not whatever. It's comfort. It's comfort. Deadening people's hearts and minds. Sucking people into this belief that God wants us to have a comfortable life. People God used never live comfortable lives. It's costly, it's sacrificial. So Lord, awaken us. If you're watching home online right now in your living rooms, your kitchens, your bedrooms, on the car, on the train, come Holy Spirit, awaken us from our slumber. May we dare to believe that you can use us to pray for the sick, to see them healed, to lead people out of darkness into your glorious light. Blind eyes to see, deaf ears to hear, the lame to walk, the broken to be restored, those who are so far away to be awakened. We're at wildfires and this prophetic guy who we really trust from Glasgow, he said, get ready, Gastry, because he said, there's a veil that is being torn open and you're gonna see a move of God amongst the Islamic community in Birmingham. I'm thinking about this amazing community that God's brought here, that we're gonna to begin to see Muslims come to faith in increasing numbers. Lord, we can't do it, but you can. You can. You know, I'm just thinking, Javine was here anyway. There you are. Just, just thinking about your clubs, Cuban and the rainbow, just imagining people coming in. They don't know necessarily it's run by Christian but just experiencing the presence of God as they're coming to drink and hang out and have fun, experiencing the presence of God. Thinking about your school, Peter and Alison, and the, both the different schools you're at, just those children, just somehow a work of the Spirit, experiencing the love of Jesus Christ. Families, one by one, just coming to Christ and realizing that there's more to life. And, so many of you, I could say the same, but come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Anoint us, we pray. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.